Nice buns, soft, fluffy, and ultra low net carbs. Discover Hero Bread, the delicious ultra low net carb bread with incredible taste and texture. Hero Bread has zero grams of sugar and is under 100 calories per serving. Plus, high in fiber with 5 to 10 grams of protein per serving. Order from Hero.co now and get 10% off your first purchase with promo code AH10. That's 10% off with code AH10. H-E-R-O dot C-O. Yay, yay, yay. Charlie Brown is doing the chop, baby. Oh, no. What is this, 1984? I just rambled for 20 minutes and deleted it. Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball, starts now. Hello. From the Dyer Prime Studio in Nitro, West Virginia, this is Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. I'm Josh Witt. Off-season episode 19 with Sam Cooper. Follow me on Instagram at UnreasonableDoubtWV. Twitter, tweeting on Twitter. Find those tweets at I'm Josh Witt. Facebook, you know? Facebook page for Unreasonable Doubt. Find it, hit the blue thumb, follow the podcast there. Unreasonable Doubt. Podcast merchandise is available on an online store. Click on the link in the show notes. Do it. This week we're talking about Javon Carter. Proudly representing WVU in the NBA. Doing great for the Phoenix Suns in the NBA bubble in Orlando, Florida. Had his season high in one of the games in the bubble. And I wanted to talk to a Suns podcaster to get his take on how Javon is fitting in with the Suns, his outlook for the future. So I brought on Sam Cooper. Him and Mike Vigil host a Phoenix Suns podcast called The Timeline. And we'll talk about that at the beginning of the interview. Sam is very insightful about the Phoenix Suns and about basketball in general. True basketball fan. Really enjoyed this conversation. Here's my interview with Sam Cooper. Dyer Prime is the lead sponsor of Unreasonable Doubt. Dyer Prime Creative Group. These guys are so creative. And they use their creativity to help you. What kind of creative we're we talking about? Well, you know, you can get a t-shirt... That's plain as they come. Plain t-shirts are fine, but add creativity from Dyer Prime. Logo. Whatever you want on a t-shirt, they can put it together and give it to you. Not just t-shirts. Hats. Masks. Whatever. Embroidery. Call or text them to find out more. 304-767-4445. Find them on the web at DyerPrime.com, D-Y-E-R-P-R-I-M-E.com, or find them on Facebook or Instagram at Dyer Prime. All right, Sam Cooper, welcome to Unreasonable Doubt, a podcast about West Virginia University basketball. It's great to be here, Josh. Thank you for having me on. Yeah, your podcast is called The Timeline, 
Is the and I'm not I know there's a story behind that. My assumption is that the timeline <laughs> is like the Phoenix version of Sam Hinkie's process. Yeah, well, you nailed it. You okay, nailed it. the timeline <laughs> is exactly. You know what's interesting is it's been ten years. So the Suns right now, let's back up a little bit. The Suns right now have a chance of making the playoffs. It all depends on the results of tomorrow's game, and then potentially, you know, they would have to get to a play-in and then win in that play-in. Um, it's been 10 years since the Suns have made the playoffs, and so much has happened uh, in the past decade. It's kind of insane to think of the timeline of events that has happened in, in, in all of that time. And one of the things that happened was this watered-down version of, of Sam Hankey's The Process <laughs> that sort of was under the previous regime um, for Phoenix, the, the previous general manager who's now gone. Um, and yeah, when, when our podcast, uh, my co-host Mike V. Hill and I, when we started our podcast a couple of years ago, that was kind of the idea. We were poking fun at it a little bit, but I think uh, we were still optimistic as well that kind of the, some of the uh, high draft picks that the Suns had and, and their hoarding of assets and things would work out. And then uh, it sort of has worked out in the sense that the Suns are finally on, the, on an upward trajectory again. It sort of hasn't worked out in the sense that it's taken far too long. But um, yeah, the podcast at this point has outdated uh, the phrase for sure. <laughs> That's great. Uh, and WVU fans can relate to uh, like the long process. Um, so, and why I have you on, Sam, is Javon Carter, West Virginia's link to the NBA. Uh, Carter spent his first season with Memphis. You know, he did all right. He was in and out of the league, went to the G League a bunch. Uh, then he gets traded over to the Suns for Josh Jackson, the Anthony Melton draft picks, what was your reaction to that trade and and your initial yeah. impression of hearing about getting Javon Carter and just the trade in general? So so Suns fans have a pretty interesting relationship with that trade. And I think the reason why is kind of, I tipped my hands a minute ago, Josh Jackson is one of those high draft picks I was talking about. The Suns right. took him fourth overall out of Kansas a couple of years ago. Um, it just blatantly didn't work out. Um, but he was paired with a prospect, a rookie who showed a lot of promise last year in DeAnthony Melton, um, was was still a very raw player in a lot of ways, but a very, very spectacular defensive player. Um, and so I think, actually, to be honest with you, I'm not a college guy. Um, I'm one of those guys who kind of starts scouting prospects right around March Madness. I, mm-hmm. I frankly, am NBA first. I'm obsessed with the NBA, and I follow every team religiously, kind of, but... But just with college prospects, I just don't know that much. And so a prospect like Javon Carter comes into the league, I really didn't know anything about him. Um, and so my initial reaction, I have to be honest with you, Josh, to that trade was not very good because I <laughs> I liked I liked DeAnthony Melton uh, a lot. And what I had heard about Javon Carter is that he was a good defensive prospect, but, but I hadn't necessarily seen it. Um, all that much. He didn't play all that much his rookie year with Memphis. Right. Um, and so I, you know, from my perspective on day one, I was thinking, well, Am I allowed to curse on this podcast? I um, I I lean against it, but uh, I will avoid it. I was I was. Well, I, was I appreciate thinking, you well, asking. I was thinking, well, shoot. <laughs> uh-huh. We're we're basically getting a watered down version of of D'Anthony Melton here. Is is my initial reaction? You know, just as a guy who went to the Basketball Reference page of, of a guy like Javon Carter, saw he shot thirty percent from the field in his rookie year with Memphis. So you know, I had an ignorant uninformed opinion, um, but that was only my day one opinion, and, and obviously we've come a long way in the past year. We we have come a long way, and it started slow with Carter at Phoenix, right? Like, first couple of months of the season, he's in the rotation, then he has, right. you know, more than 10 DNPs in the beginning, and then we get into January, and he ends up being part of the regular bench rotation. 
Mm-hmm. Uh, what's your thoughts? How did he get into the rotation? Is there something we're missing besides him just working hard and and uh, impressing Monty Williams? Or, or what changed <laughs> from the first few months to him being a regular contributor uh, to the yeah, Suns? I mean, look, Monty Williams is, is a well-respected coach around the league, especially with what he's done with the Suns this year, I think, uh, kind of taking them from a team that won 19 games last year to um, 30, 30 plus into the mid-30s at this point. Um, and, you know, a coach like that, it's just hard not to love what Javon Carter does. Uh, you know, he's Javon's almost interesting because he doesn't always impact the box score exactly. Sometimes he does and sometimes he doesn't. But he's a player who works so hard that he can play 20 minutes. In fact, the other day against Philly, uh, Javon, I know we're, we were talking about before the bubble, and now I'm giving you an example of a bubble game. But, sure. Javon, you know, Javon Carter can play 20 minutes. He can give you three points and two rebounds like he did the other day against Philly, and yet he's pressing 94 feet um, at guys at the NBA level, and he's just hustling uh, his butt off, and, and he's putting in far more effort than any other player on the roster on the defensive end. And guys like that, uh, regardless of their other skills, you know, with Javon, I think part of the reason maybe he, he struggled to crack the rotation in the first place um, is because, you know, he's only six one. He doesn't necessarily have the athletic tools that a lot of NBA point guards have. Right. Um, and he's not the best at initiating a set. And, you know, he he's not the type of guy who creates a ton of offense for himself and, and finds a way to rack up 10 assists, do all those sorts of things. Sure. Um, but defensively, he's just such an impact player, so far beyond... Uh, what most NBA players are capable of doing, um, that it's just hard. Guys like that will always find a way. Um, and I think with the Suns specifically, the reason he was able to crack the rotation in January is if you can find a way to optimize that guy with other certain guys and you find the right lineup combinations, um, you can really stumble upon some winning formulas. And, and with Phoenix, that was Javon Carter maybe playing with Devin Booker. Um, because mm. Devin Booker, you know, what I talked about a second ago, maybe Javon struggles a little bit to initiate his own offense and, and to be a pure point guard in the purest sense of the word. But Devin Booker as a shooting guard is is a guy who has progressed so much over the past five years um, to where he is such a brilliant playmaker for a two guard that really effectively he is capable of, of being a point guard and of carrying the offensive load in some lineups. So if you take a guy like Devin Booker, um, and, and give him Javon Carter in the same lineup, you can kind of make up for some of the deficiencies that Devin Booker has as a defender. You've got Javon there hustling, uh, working on defense. He's still a very good shooter. Um, even if he doesn't create his own offense a ton, he, you can kind of stick him on the wing and be confident that if the opportunity arises, he's going to hit a catch-and-shoot three. Um, so, you know, with Javon, I think it's just he was able to crack the rotation with raw effort. Um, and once Monty kind of found those those right lineup combinations, he was able to find something that really works. And you see just by the numbers, uh, Sam, that Carter's shot uh, shot percentage has improved. His corner three percentage is way up. And that's probably a result of what you're talking about, of, of Booker creating and him stepping into threes. Um, and that I can see that difference in the numbers from, from year one to year two. Um, and Carter saved his scoring high for the bubble. Six threes, 21 points in a win versus Miami. In these seven games in the bubble, have you noticed Carter's role change uh, much, or is it still more of the same of what we've seen pre, uh, pre-work pre stoppage? 
I think on paper it's it's mostly what we've seen, uh, but the stakes are higher, and right. that's the difference. You know, the Suns the Suns have approached this not as they need to go on an eight game winning streak at the beginning of the bubble. They approached it as we need to win one game eight times because every game was an elimination game for them. And you know, I don't know exactly when this podcast is going to drop, but they have one more game tomorrow um, at the time of us recording this, and um, they could go eight and zero and still potentially miss the playoffs. Um, but so for them. They uh, what Monty how Monty approached that uh, in order for them to go eight and zero he decided to thin the rotation a little bit he he kind of dropped back to mostly an eight man rotation uh, and that means the only guys coming off the bench now are Dario Saric Javon Carter uh, and Cameron Payne so even though all those guys are kind of playing a similar role to what they were doing uh, pre bubble uh, all of them are all the more important every player is more important in every game and it's all the more important that every particular player is capable of stepping up. Um, like the game you mentioned that Javon had, he had a season-high 20 points. He had six threes against Miami. Um, some of those were just catch-and-shoot threes. Some of them were like really impressive step-back threes. Right. Something that I think Something that I think Javon Carter, just as a quick aside, something I think he's gotten way better at in his time in the league is is he's hitting like step-back threes now. He's hitting pull-ups. Um, it's not his go-to way of scoring, but he's got a little bit of shake off the dribble, and, and it really is something that um, he's worked hard to develop at the NBA level. Um, but that 20-point performance for him the other day, if he doesn't give the Suns the, uh, those 20 points on that particular night, the Suns lose that game, no doubt. They right. lose that game. And if they lose that game, they would be out right now. You know, every game just just matters so much for them, and, and he has responded to the challenge. That's fantastic. And so from a from a WVU fan's per- perspective, when Carter gets traded to the Suns, and I'm looking at the roster, and I see that the Suns draft uh, the guy from Virginia, Ty Jerome, and mm-hmm. Okobo's in the— um, uh, in the roster, and just a lot of point guards, most of which are signed past this season. Um, this is his, this is Carter's last year on his contract. What are the? I'm you're, I'm asking you to predict the future here, Sam. What are the chances that Javon Carter resigns with the Suns? And if not, do you think Carter has done enough in this season to prove himself to be able to sign with another team and stay up in the NBA? Uh, yeah, I think no doubt. To, to answer your second question first, I think no doubt he can stick around in the NBA. This is a guy who just finished his second season. He's only, uh, correct me if I'm wrong here, I believe he's 24. I have him uh, as 24, right. Yeah, because he was he was a four-year player in college, so a little right. bit older than most NBA rookies. But but no doubt, he's he's in the prime of his career right now. And I look, I would like for Phoenix to keep him. And I think right now, if you talk to basically any Suns fan and ask them to, to give uh, you their assessment... Um, of who they prefer between Javon Carter, Ty Jerome, and Elia Kobo. He's the, the second-year point guard out of France who they drafted a year ago. Um, I think 90% of Suns fans would tell you Javon Carter tops that list. Um, Ty Jerome really, I mean, he comes out of a very well-respected program, obviously, too, out of Virginia, but really struggled in his rookie season, and uh, uh, Elia Kobo has had his struggles over two years as well. So I would like for the Suns to find a role for Javon. I think that's not necessarily as their primary backup point guard going forward if they plan on being a very good, a contending team. Um, just because of some of the issues with, with Javon that I may have mentioned earlier, you know, like, d- do you really have the faith uh, in him to to develop into a guy who can competently run all of your sets and, and be a pure point guard off the bench, be a stabilizing bench presence. Um, obviously, I would love to see him get to that point, um, but the Suns might want to have a different kind of primary backup point guard who's just a little bit more of a veteran in that regard. Um, but that's not to say there's not a role for Javon on this team. I think he still has a role as kind of a guy who can play either the one or the two, 
who can defend either of those positions, who you can count on to knock down all of his threes, who's always going to play the passing lanes and, and come up with deflections. And uh, I think there's absolutely a role for a guy like that on this team to play 10 to 20 minutes a night. And if Javon decides that uh, he's comfortable in Phoenix and, and enjoys playing with this uh, franchise, then I'd like to think that there could be a mutual agreement between both sides. That's awesome. That's awesome. And and I agree. I just, I don't have league pass. It is, it has been more of a challenge, you know, Phoenix and Memphis, not a ton of national games uh, to watch Carter, but just seeing the highlights and the stats, it seems like he's, he's earned, especially in year two, his place in the NBA. All right, Sam, like you said earlier, the Suns, some of it's out of their hands on making the playoffs this year, um, but they're undefeated in the bubble. And so with or without Carter next year, what's your outlook for the Phoenix Suns for the 2020-2021 season? Well, I will stress, I hope it's with Carter, Josh. Yes, um, me too. <laughs> I, hope, I hope it's with Carter. We'll see, we'll see what's in the cards there. But uh, I, look, I think the goal for the Suns at, at this point, they were on pace for, with this win streak, maybe 36, 37 wins over a full 82-game season. I think, obviously, if you don't make the playoffs this year, you're trying to make the playoffs next year. And you go into next year, it's year three for DeAndre Ayton. It's year six. For Devin Booker, you're starting to get to the point where you really want to see things mesh between these guys, and and ultimately, you know, it's okay if it's a low playoff seed, but you're really trying to win in the mid 40s uh, in terms of your so like basically a plus 500 record and and be able to make the playoffs and and finally get playing basketball. Um, sorry, playoff basketball um, with Devin Booker. That's 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 your goal for next year. And I I am hopeful that Carter's part of that mix as well. All right, Sam, I'm going to thank you again for your time. I'm going to end the conversation with you ranking your favorite sons by position. Um, and we're going to go, is we're going to start with past? point guard. What's that? Is that, is that past or present? It's, it's all time. And this all is, a, this okay. is my sad list. It's not <clears throat> all the greats, uh, but it's one I came up with for this exercise. So uh, point guard, your options are, and this is favorite. You got Steve Nash, Jason Kidd, or Kevin Johnson. Favorite yeah, that's, point guard. No Javon Carter. First of all, <laughs> the, the reason I'm or here Javon Carter. Place. I mean, look, man. I'll just say, you know, Kevin Johnson never hit forty percent from deep like Jason is doing <laughs> this year. But uh, <laughs> that one is pretty clear for me. I think I'll show my age here, obviously. But I think any Suns fan would say Steve Nash, and me as a guy in my. Uh, uh, early 20s, I think. It's got to be Steve Nash. Shooting guard and uh, the aforementioned Devin Booker, a blast from the past, two blasts from the past, Thunder Dan Marley or Hall of Famer Paul Westfall, favorite shooting guard. Yeah, again with this one, <laughs> showing my age, but it's got to be Devin Booker. If there's nothing else um, that you take away, that your listeners take away from this episode, if they want any other tidbit of info about the Suns, it's that Devin Booker just set the Suns franchise record uh, for most games by a player with 30-plus points. He just passed Walter Davis, um, and he is 23 years old and only played. he's only played about 340 games with the Suns, and he already has 91 games with 30-plus 30, uh, points. It took Walter Davis over double the amount of games to set the same record. So this Devin, this Devin Booker guy is going places. And I think we're, we're finally starting to see his ascension from, he was an all-star this year for the first time, but I think he could, he could go even higher. Small forward, uh, Sean Marion or 
You know, Sam, I don't have anybody but Sean Marion. Is there another <laughs> option for shooting for, for small uh, forward? There's, 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 let's see, there's guys. I mean, I guess you, Walter Davis could be a small forward. Okay. Um, maybe Connie Hawkins, if you went real old school. That's like right. old school NBA, kind of ABA. Um, but I think it's Sean Marion. I think it's got to be Sean Marion. And Sean Marion, I think, is, is a guy where... Uh, he was already doing awesome stuff uh, from 2004 to 2010. Honestly, I think any West Virginia fan who who likes the way Javon Carter plays uh, would love Sean Marion as a player, right? He's just the epitome of hustle and, and working for putbacks and, um, you know, not necessarily a guy that's going to get his name called on, on any given play, but always found a way to drop 20 and 10 in his prime. Um, and I think there's just something so respectable about that. And, and yeah, he's... Sean Marion's one of my favorite players of all time, so gonna have to go with him. For Just sure. one of the most unique shots, like something yeah. you would mimic. It's 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 Sean Marion. I don't have another person. Yeah. We're reaching for other people. It's Sean Marion. His, okay. his versatility would age so well in today's game. Oh my game goodness! Too. I've I've heard comparisons to Draymond, but but to be honest with you, I don't think it's close. I think his scoring is is way beyond what what Draymond's capable of doing. Agreed. All right, power forward. We're loaded. Charles yeah. Barkley. Amari Stoudemire, Larry Nance, <laughs> the original Larry Nance, yeah, and Tom Chambers, just based mm-hmm. on that one dunk. Um, Over Mark Jackson? Yeah, that's right. So yeah. uh, loaded at power forward, who's your favorite son of those four, or choose your own? Yeah, look, I've got, I've got. Well, if I get to choose my own, I gotta choose Dragon Bender, clearly. <laughs> uh, <no. laughs> or Mark, how about Marquise Chris? No, but I, I think it's uh, as much as I love Amari, and I grew up watching Amari. It's got to be Sir Charles uh, in this one. Um, I think Nash has the greatest legacy right now of any Phoenix Sun um, because of the number of years that that he put in. Um, but I think Charles Barkley. You know, he only played in Phoenix for four years, but. Charles Barkley was the greatest Phoenix Sun of all time. He was the the best player um, to ever don a Phoenix Suns uniform, and gotta gotta give him some respect for that. Okay, and then finally, center if that's still a thing. Um, I've got two options here, and you, please help me with another one. Yeah. Um, Shaq. <laughs> okay, yep, you got old school Shaq, and going older, uh, and a fan favorite, Oliver Miller. Oliver Miller. Wow, you just you just plucked the two guys who are <laughs> closest to four hundred pounds that you could find. Well, I'm uh, a Sonics fan. I like Sam Perkins. <laughs> I have an affinity for these guys. So Oliver Miller's funny because he did those. He did multiple stints with the Suns, and you know, I think in the early '90s he was there with that '93 Finals team. He was kind of in shape, but then he came back in like the year 2000, and, and that's when he was pushing four hundred. Um, <laughs> I got to think, uh, Alvin Adams, I guess, is another one. He was He's one of the OG sons. I think he still works for the organization um, to this day uh, and spent his entire career with Phoenix. And, and he was one of the top players on a 1976 team that, that took Boston to six games in the finals. Oh, right, so, yeah. So that's that's another option there. Um, I guess I would, I would probably go with Alvin Adams if I had to choose a There you team. go. Maybe, nice. I'd go with, maybe I'd go with Amari, small ball five these days, though. See, I didn't know where to put Amari. He did play five, <laughs> but it felt weird putting him at center. Again, that translates better now. Amari would 100% be small ball five. Oh, yeah. Uh-huh. Totally. And, they did, and they used him small ball five then. So anyway, uh, Sam, this has been a pleasure. Sam Cooper, you can listen to the Timeline uh, Phoenix Suns podcast. Listen to that wherever you listen to the podcast. Sam Cooper, thank you for joining me on Unreasonable thank Doubt, you. a podcast about so much, West Virginia uh, University basketball. 
Josh, if I could just say one more thing before we sign off real quick. Sure. i got to get it off my chest. West Virginia, to any West Virginia fans out there, presumably all of you, uh, you guys are, without a doubt, the most passionate fan base. Um, the way that you guys have followed Javon Carter, and, and I'm not just, you know, I'm not just pulling this out of my butt because, you know, it's a West Virginia basketball podcast, but I, I swear, like, the way you guys have followed uh, Javon Carter from Memphis to Phoenix, when I tweet about other Phoenix Suns players and I'm just, like, analyzing players or whatever and, and pulling out stats, um, there's not really any other player who gains as much traction online um, from fans of, of his alma mater like Javon Carter does. Like maybe sometimes like fans of the University of Kentucky will talk about Devin Booker. They'll be impressed by the progress that Booker has made from when he was in college. But but not really. Like it's not even close. Javon Carter fans are out there uh, in force. Um, and it is an amazing sight to behold the the amount of passion that you guys have for West Virginia basketball and for Javon Carter specifically. We do. Uh, and I'm yeah. Sam, I mean, like our link to the NBA, it's it's Javon Carter. No, I, I know. Kevin I know. Jones played a, had a cup of coffee. Uh, and I love Kevin Jones and Joe Alexander. And uh, Deshaun Butler got drafted but didn't play in the NBA. Devin Ebanks. But like we, it's I love it. And I then love you, it. and I, then like you skip to like Jerry West. I mean, with the, yeah. with apologies to other guys that may have got right. to the NBA. It's like that's <laughs> it's a short list, Sam. So no, it's a short list, and so I understand why you have all that passion. And, and I'm just I'm telling you, I love it. I, I'll tweet something about Javon Carter, and I'll have 20 people in my mentions where I'll, I'll click on their Twitter profiles, and it, right in there it says like treadmill mentality. Oh all yeah, hashtags pulled right up it is it is awesome to see um and seriously that passion is what makes sports fun so we love javon carter um maybe not as much as you guys do um but i mean but it's not a I, contest sam but yes i'd we, like to we, think yeah i'd like to think we're still taking care of him uh, out here in phoenix uh, and doing our part awesome sam again thank you for the time thanks for joining me Big thanks to Sam for joining me on the podcast. You can find Sam on Twitter at SCooperHoops. His podcast, The Timeline, a Phoenix Suns podcast. Find that wherever you're listening to this podcast. You can find The Timeline. Check it out. Great Phoenix Suns podcast. Their Twitter feed for the podcast is at the Timeline Pod. Check it out. That's it for this episode of Unreasonable Doubt. Listen on all the platforms. Apple, Spotify, Overcast, Pocket Casts, CastBox. Subscribe to the podcast wherever you listen. I'm getting emotional. Here's why I'm getting emotional. I took the week off last week. It ended up being the most listened to week of the podcast. Did not drop an episode. Everybody came through. For those of you new to the podcast, thanks for checking in. It doesn't typically work like that. <laughs> the better weeks are when I actually do the podcast. So to have the best week in the off season in a week that I didn't post one, I mean, distance makes the heart grow fonder. Until next time, I'm Josh Witt. This has been Unreasonable Doubt. WVU for the 2020-2021 season, they're 0-0. Zero